Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Richard Citrin of Citrin Consulting. He is a licensed organizational and consulting psychologist who provides leadership development, coaching, and workplace consultation to profit, nonprofit, and governmental organizations. His goal is to help them understand how to build resilience into their employees' lives and their workplace culture. He is the author of the forthcoming book, The Resilience Advantage, Embracing Stress and Leveraging It to Your Advantage. So Richard really helps corporations um, learn how to improve how they can take on and succeed addressing challenging situations. Welcome, Richard. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me. Great. So tell me a little bit about, because we hear so much about stress all the time and you know, trying to reduce stress or manage stress, but you talk about stress resilience. How is that different from the ways we've been taught to think about stress in the past? Well, Linda, let me tell you a little story. Uh, many years ago, or several years ago, I was presenting to a group of medical students, and we were talking to them about stress, and I was talking to them about stress management and how you can manage your stress, and I did a little a relaxation exercise, which is what many instructors in stress and stress management will do, and pretty soon across the room I started hearing people snoring, and there was another person snoring, and pretty soon four or five folks had fallen asleep. I, I guess I was good at helping them relax, but I also realized that I was maybe helping them relax a little too much and that these folks, as medical students may very well be, were really exhausted from what they were doing. Wow. Uh, after the exercise, we had a chance to process a little bit, and what they told me was that in their line of work, it was impossible to manage stress. There was so much to do, so much pressure, so, much time, so, so great time constraints uh, that they really couldn't manage stress. And, and I said to them, well, you know, that's what we want to try to do is to manage stress. But after I left and started thinking about it, I realized that, that maybe they had a, a really important point to make, which is that we have a model in our country, and we've had it for the past 70 years, where the idea is that we're supposed to just hang on as best we can, manage the stress, whatever it is, and then at some point in time we collapse. And, and that has been the stress management model uh, that we that we perpetrated over these past many years, really since the whole stress model was evolved and, and really scientifically uh, identified in the late 1940s and 50s. Uh, and, and what I've come to realize in what these medical students showed me was that there's something that's fundamentally flawed about that approach to dealing with stress. And, and the flaw is, is twofold. Number one, it's impossible to manage stress because it's a biological imperative. It is something that's going to happen to us physically. If you're in a driving down the highway and a car in front of you stops short, your heart is going to stop. It's going to start and stop, but it's definitely going to start racing. Hopefully it won't stop, but it will start racing. Uh, you'll, you'll start breathing heavily. You'll, you'll perspire. You may have to pull off the road. That is not something that you can manage in any way, shape, or form. That is going to happen. It is, a, it is what I refer to as a biological imperative, much like gravity is a physical imperative. You don't manage gravity. If you jump up, you're going to come down. Right. That's a physical reality. So 
that's the first problem we have with uh, with the stress management model. The, the second problem that we have with the stress management model is that that is not really our experience. Our experience is not that we just manage stress. Our experience, for the most part, is that we're actually quite successful in the face of stress. And if you think about the daily challenges you have or even the big challenges you have, for the most part, we address them, we confront them, we deal with them, and generally, we're pretty successful with them. And that's because we're biologically geared not towards managing the stress, but we're biologically geared to succeeding over the stress. And that success is really what I think of as resilience. So that, so that we use our, our capacity, our biological capacity, to take on challenges and overcome them in such a way that, that we beat them and, and we, we're ready to learn from them and to move on to something else. Well, I love what you're saying because you're right. There's just no way that you can remove all the stressors from your life. And if you could, you'd probably pretty be pretty bored and, and very low energy. So instead of trying to manage this, it's how do we overcome this? How do we grow from it? How do we move forward? So talk about why, why is being resilient so important in today's world? Well, in today's world, it's, 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 it's so very important. And the interesting thing about resilience that has happened, and it's one of the things I talk about in my book, is that resilience is a popular topic right now. I mean, you hear it on the news, uh, you know, the tragedy, uh, the tragedies that befall our country uh, in, in San Bernardino or at Sandy Hook. Uh, you hear about people, you know, bouncing back from it and being resilient. Uh, we heard this discussion of Katrina and even back as far as, as 9-11. Uh, it's a popular uh, term right now, and, and part of the reason it's a popular term is because governments and corporations have recognized this very same message that, that I'm trying to convey, uh, which is that we can't control events from happening. No matter how much we'd like to think that we, can't, that, that we can keep events like shootings or terrorist attacks or hurricanes from happening, uh, the truth is we can't keep them from happening. And what we have to do is to try to prepare for them uh, navigate them as successfully as possible in real time, and then develop strategies to recover as quickly as possible, not just to the same point of where we were prior to the event, but even to exceed and learn from those kinds of events. In the workplace, the same kind of approach uh, is essential. Uh, you know, and I, of course, I know your work and your book is, is about marketing. Right. Uh, and what we see today in the marketing world, and as your book talks about, is it's become much more complex. The, the old realities of marketing, the old realities of sales, the old realities of operations are all different uh, today than what they were. They're just not uh, in place today. We're facing new challenges. And the, uh, the term that sometime, sometimes is used is the acronym VUCA, VUCA, which stands for uh, the workplace and our lives being volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Wow. There's just a lack of, you know, we just, we just don't have the clarity about the, the world because it's so much more complex today, or it seems like it's more complex, uh, in large measure because we have so much information accessible to us. 
Well, and, so and you're absolutely right. There's just so much going on, and it's it's the speed of things has just really gotten shorter. So, uh, you know, things are happening faster. There's more stimuli. Uh, I think sometimes that people are more stressed because they have all this information available to them. They can see what's happening in the latest terrorist attack or political campaign instantly on their phone, on texts, on tweets, etc. So we're getting more stimuli coming at us, and that makes it harder for us to kind of manage all of this. So how do we be more resilient about this? How do we, um, what, what kind of, could you give us a couple of tips of things we could do that would really, um, you know, help us get above all the stress, being that we can't control it and, and there's so much volatility and uncertainty in the world? Yeah, well, that, that's, that's what, uh, you know, my work has, is becoming now is to look at, at ways, uh, ways to do that. And, and I think the, uh, this is kind of another distinction between the resilience model and the management model. Uh, which is that the management model lacks a strategy. Uh, and I was uh, taking a look at your book last night in preparation for our call today, and I noticed that one of the things you talk about right away in relationship to marketing is the importance of having a strategy. Absolutely. And really building from a strategy first and foremost. And it's much the same thing in addressing stress, uh, which is we lack a strategy. So as I said earlier, our strategy around stress management is, you know, hold on, baby. You know, remember that poster, <laughs> that cat holding on for dear life? That's right. the strategy we have for stress is just to hold on as best we can and get through it. Uh, so I, I kind of propose a, a new definition for, uh, for resilience and really for, uh, for stress. And, and that, that definition is that it's, it's our ability to um, effectively prepare for, navigate successfully, and then bounce back or even bounce forward from stressful or challenging events in such a way that we can learn and grow from that particular adversity or challenge that we faced. So there's really three elements to my model that I like to talk about. The first one has to do with preparation. Uh, and preparation has two aspects to it. Uh, the first aspect of preparation is actually getting ready for it. You know, mm -hmm. So you may know, uh, you know for your marketing uh, followers, uh, you, you may very well know that you have a big presentation coming up. Uh, and you have your you know, your, your presentation model, you've got your PowerPoint at hand, and you've got your talking points, and you've got your handouts, and you have all of that in place. And, and then you may discover when you get into the meeting that you actually hadn't adequately prepared. You hadn't spoken to some of uh, your, um, your, your potential customers' um, colleagues or uh, done enough research on their company. That, we, that Sometimes we just don't take enough time to think through what are the possible scenarios of what can happen? What questions might I be asked that I haven't fully prepared for? We sometimes just jump into those situations without thinking fully and completely. Uh, and so taking those 10 or 15 minutes, and I know when I go in to talk to a potential new customer, I'm presenting my, my ideas. Um, you know, I make sure that I, I spend time ahead of time thinking exactly what do I want to say, what are the potential questions I might ask, where are the pitfalls I might run into, uh, and what are, the, you know, what are the downsides that I need to be honest with and and tell my potential client as well. Uh, so clearly preparation has to do with preparing. But the other part of preparation has to do with what I call building hardiness. Uh, and, you know, you work out, I know, and you exercise. Right. That's an important thing for you. And, and oftentimes when I talk to people about exercise, they tell me that there's two big reasons they like to exercise. Uh, one is because it helps them burn off the stress. You know, they right. like that part of it. You hear that from people who exercise at the end of the day. Uh, when you talk to people who exercise in the beginning of the day, what they say is it makes me feel stronger. 
I feel more confident. My energy level is better. And so part of that preparation is, is really about building hardiness, getting stronger. And some of that may have to do with um, physical exercise, but some of it has to do with the mental uh, preparation and thinking through how things are going to play out so that we know ahead of time, as I was saying in relationship to preparation, uh, we're just stronger. We, we're just stronger and more confident about what we're doing. And when we're stronger and more confident, uh, being in control is a very important aspect of, of uh, effectively being resilient to stress, which is that we understand what's going to happen. We can take charge of that situation effectively. Uh, so the preparation aspect is, is really critical. Uh, but the tough part is navigation in real time. Because, boy, when you're in the middle of that stressful situation, when you've got somebody pushing back at you about a point you're making or an idea you want to uh, promote, uh, you know, sometimes we lose our center. We're not necessarily um, uh, graceful in that particular right. moment. Uh, so navigation in real time is the, is the hardest thing to do. And, and really the tip that I talk about there, there's a number of different activities, and, and many of the traditional stress management tools are helpful in this regard, uh, such as breathing and relaxation. Uh, however, I, I think the, the most effective tool that, I, that I've worked with and that I see and that I tell people if there's one thing to do about addressing your stress, it would be this, which is, which is around being mindful. And mindfulness is a method or an approach where we're aware of our environment. We're aware of our, of our setting. Uh, we're conscious of who we're with. We're aware of what's going on. And I like to use the analogy of uh, going to the playground and watching my granddaughter uh, play in the playground. And I think every parent and probably every adult has that uh, wonderful experience of observing that child and just seeing them in their natural setting and just right. getting so much pleasure and enjoyment out of that. Uh, going into the woods, uh, you know, and, and going hiking in the woods or going scuba diving, any kind of activity that requires us to focus our mind uh, and be aware of the environment is a mindfulness exercise. And if we can take those kinds of mindfulness experiences and apply them to the workplace, that's a wonderful way to be present in the moment and to navigate through that situation uh, perhaps a little more gracefully. Again, the stress reaction is, is an imperative. Uh, so if you're challenged with something you don't know, uh, you're going to get nervous, and uh, practice is a good way to uh, become more, more as comfortable as possible in those kinds of situations. That's and great. Then, and then the so third and, the third thing the you said is bouncing, and that's, that's I think, yeah. for the, or some people the hardest, is how do you bounce back or bounce forward? Yes, yes. So, so the bounce back is always tricky because uh, we, we have something that uh, is also another one of these biologically programmed things into us, which is the negativity bias. Right. Um, the, the negativity bias has to do with the fact that uh, it's a safety mechanism. You know, it, it's there to make sure that we're always looking behind our back and make sure there's no saber-toothed tiger attacking us or getting ready to attack us. Uh, but as a result of it, uh, of that biological uh, fact, uh, we also tend to look at situations and think the worst about it. Uh, so we have a presentation we did. You know, we felt pretty good about it, but in retrospect, you know, uh, somebody you were expecting to show up didn't show up, or somebody who was in your audience was on their cell phone. Uh, and we, we tend, we all tend to take that personally and attribute it to some failing of our own uh, and attribute it to uh, something we've done wrong, and that's what often keeps that bounce back from happening. Uh, people who are effective uh, in, in bouncing back and bouncing forward flip that around. They turn it into a positivity bias. So they say, 
you know, I did a pretty good job there. And mm. 98% of the people were attentive, and that one jerk who was on his cell phone uh, missed, missed a lot of the great information uh, that I had to share. Uh, so we actually encourage uh, people to make positive self-statements around what they've done and what they've seen in a situation. Uh, additionally, things sometimes do go badly. Uh, you know, failure is uh, a reality. Uh, and the other piece that we like to talk about in relation to bouncing back and bouncing forward is about embracing failure. Uh, in fact, I was with a client this morning, and uh, I was doing some interviews for someone, and uh, one of the pieces of feedback I got was that uh, this manager who I'm doing some coaching with uh, never lets his team fail. Mm. Uh, he always he always intervenes and makes sure that uh, they take the right action. Uh, instead of letting them on, on some you know low risk uh, situation, uh, take charge of it, run with it, and let them see if they can work it out. And if they can't, uh, then how do you take that failure and turn it into a learning experience? And so it's interesting because yeah, we we really do need to both fail and learn from it and then move forward. Um, and I think part of it, the bounce back is, is the willingness to accept failure and say, it's okay, now how do I go from this and go to the next level? That's right. And it's always, you know, it, I always tell the people I'm coaching and consulting with uh, is that if someone is a learner, if someone's willing to learn and has an open mind, uh, then they're geared for success. That I consider to be one of the most important qualities or competencies that I see in the workplace is that someone's a learner. They're willing to take their successes and their failures and learn from them. That's great. Well, this is fantastic, and I've read the book, and it's really full of of lots of great stories and real-life experiences, but also advice and, and, uh, you know, methodologies to help us be more resilient. So from a marketer's perspective, we're out there in this world where there are just so many things going on. How can we use some of these resilience tactics, not just for ourselves, but to help our our customers and our consumers um, be more resilient? Because it seems to me if we're just adding to all this chaos and stress, that's not helpful. Do you have any ideas of of what we could do to kind of, on a societal level, help each other? Well, you know, it it seems to me that the the marketing person uh, faces a couple of of critical issues uh, that, that you don't necessarily see in other in other situations. Uh, one is, of course, the rejection and, and kind of refusals that you might get. Uh, you know, they may get more, uh, more no's than other people. Right. Uh, and, they, and, you know, how do they deal with that? The, the danger about, uh, about becoming stressed or not kind of recognizing how stresses impact is that it usually affects people in three ways. Uh, one is there's a loss of energy because we're, we're using energy to kind of deal with the stress instead of focusing on what we have to focus on. Right. Uh, two, two is a loss of focus. Uh, yep. So along with that loss of energy, you know, you kind of lose your focus. And three is around uh, being an effective communicator. Uh, yep. Because what often happens when we become stressed uh, is we become very self-conscious and then we, we lose our connection with other people uh, in these situations. Uh, so I think one of the things that, that I talk about, and I talk about this in, in my book in relationship to organizations how, and how organizations can address stress uh, and really focus on being resilient, is to make the conversation more transparent. Uh, I think that, that stress in the workplace is one of the great untalked-about topics. Uh, management 
don't want to talk about it because it's they're afraid that uh, it'll bring up um, um, complaints and grievances from people, and employees are afraid to talk about it because they'll look like they're just complaining, and their manager right. will think that they're, uh, you know, they're they're not willing to do the work. Um, but the truth is, it's on everybody's mind, and, and managers are as stressed as anybody else anyway. Uh, so I think having a conversation uh, about this is is really uh, is really important to have, so that you know we kind of put the cards on the table, and that accomplishes you know, not only accomplishes a couple of things, not only the discussion of of you know what it is that's challenging, and I like to use words like challenging or adversity uh, rather than stress, because stress is so cliche and. Uh, what we're really talking about are, are how we're addressing these challenges for ourselves. Uh, and I think the other thing it does is it builds trust. Yeah. Uh, when we start to have these conversations, because we're acknowledging and, and owning the fact that uh, that these are real issues and real problems, and, and how can we uh, how can we uh, talk about them uh, more more fully with each other? That's fantastic. And this is this is yeah. such a fascinating subject, and certainly one in our challenging times that I think becomes more and more important. We've been talking with Richard Citron. Richard is the author of the upcoming book, The Resilience Advantage, Embracing Stress and Leveraging It to Your Advantage, and that will be available in February. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Richard, how would people find out more about you and about the book? Well, they can go to my website, which is Citrin Consulting, C-I-T-R-I-N, Consulting, and uh, the book will be available through my website. Uh, it should also be on Amazon or through the publisher, which is Business Expert Press. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Richard. I really appreciate your being here. Now we have lots of things to, to think about to bounce back and bounce forward and, uh, and really um, look at positivity versus negativity and how we can um, manage and be more resilient in the, uh, in the workplace and in our lives. Thank you, Linda. Great to talk with you. Great. Thanks very much. This has been Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.